Heavenly Father, we thank you for the religious freedom we have in this country, that we can publicly gather around your word together to hear what you would have to say to us in the year 2011. We thank you that you have preserved your word for so many years so that we have it right before us now. But Lord, it is not sufficient to simply have your word. We need your help if we are to understand it. We need the author to open our minds so that we understand his words. Lord, we ask that you would do that now. We beg of you that you would do that now so that we are able to live as your children. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what are you hoping for? What are the hopes that you have in your life? At the moment, one of my biggest hopes I've been spending most of my week on, well, not most of it, but a a good portion of my week, is I'm hoping that we'll get some more money from the government to do uh, projects around the church. They're offering more money. We've had two lots, one lot in 2009, one in 2010. I thought all the cash had dried up. But no, lo and behold, they're offering another bout of money uh, in 2011. So I've been working this week, putting in different applications for different projects, capital work projects around the church. And I'm hoping that the government will be favourable to those applications and we may get some money from them to do those works that I've been putting in for. But we all have many hopes. We use the word hope a lot. We hope that something in particular will happen. But as Christians, we have a very particular hope. There is the hope that we have. It's mentioned again and again in the Bible that there is the hope of Christians, of God's people. And that is what is mentioned here in the verse that we're going to be looking at today in 1 Peter chapter 3. We've come back to 1 Peter chapter 3 after a break, and this week we're up to verse 15. If you've got a Black Church Pew Bible, I encourage you to open it to page 1202, and we'll only be looking at one verse today, well, half a verse, because we started it last week uh, with the first sentence in verse 15. This week we'll be looking at the second sentence in verse 15, of 1 Peter chapter 3, which mentions a hope that we have, the hope that we have. Verse 15 of 1 Peter 3 reads, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord, which is what we looked at last week, and now always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Christians have a particular hope. And that's my first main point this morning. If you've got a church bulletin there, you can see on the back my main points listed there. And the first is about the hope that you have. What is the hope that Christians have? What is the thing that we hope for above all else as Christians? Well, the hope that we have is our resurrection. That this life is not the end. That we will come back to life after death, that we will, through that resurrection, defeat many things, that we will be victorious over many things that we struggle with in this world, that we'll be victorious over death itself, that we won't stay in the ground but that we'll come back to life, that we'll be victorious over sin, the sins that we commit again and again through our resurrection will be raised to life and no longer have to worry about those sins any longer. We'll have victory over hell and punishment. We fear that 
Why do people, why are people afraid of death? Because they recognize how much wrong they've done in their lives and they fear punishment in the next life. But the Christian, the hope that they have is a resurrection where they will come back to life not to be eternally punished, but a resurrection that they will be raised to eternal life, to eternal happiness in heaven, where there'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering. We will be victorious over all the sufferings in this world and we will be there in the eternal presence of Jesus Christ who saved us. That is the hope that we have, this resurrection hope that we have and all the blessings that come with that resurrection. That is the hope of Christians, the hope of the resurrection. But why does Peter mention that here? Is he just wanting us to look at what it is that we hope in? Or has he got a particular purpose for mentioning the hope that Christians have? Well, Peter wants us to give reasons for the hope that we have. He says it here in verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. The hope is something that he presupposes and now he's wanting to say, what do you do once you've got that hope? Well, he wants you to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He wants you to give reasons for that hope. He doesn't want you to just have the hope and not speak about it. No, he wants you to tell people about that hope and then give reasons when they ask, why do you believe that you'll be raised to life, raised to eternal life, eternal happiness in heaven? And that's a reasonable thing for people to want from you, isn't it? If you've got a particular hope and they know that you have a hope, they then ask you why. Why do you have that hope? What are the reasons behind the hope that you have? So when I'm applying to the government for some money, I don't simply go, well, I hope they'll give me some cash. No, I actually have to put in the effort and the applications and so then I've got some reasons. I give to them why they should give us money. I try to talk up the the reasons why they should uh, help us with the Capital Works projects around here and how they'll facilitate needs in the community. I give reasons for the hope that I have then. When someone says, why do you think the government will give you some money? Well, I put in an application, I put a bit of time and effort into it, and so I hope that they will give it, but it's not a blind hope, it's not a hopeless hope. It has reasons behind it. And it's the same with Christianity. Christianity is not built on nothing. It is built upon reasons. There is a reason for the hope that we have. It is not some sort of blind leap of faith. No, there is reason behind it. Is there only one reason? Well, if you looked at this text, you might think so. In the NIV translation, it reads, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But in the original, there's no the there. There's no definite article. And so if you look at other modern translations, they all translate it as give a reason for the hope that you have. Because when you think about it, there are many reasons why you are a Christian. There's not simply one reason that slams all other uh, thoughts out of the park. You have many reasons that accumulate, that encourage you to be the Christian that you are. And you bring those out at different times as people 
ask you questions. But what is the bare minimum of reasons that you should have? He says here you should have some reasons, you should give an, a reason to people. Well, my recommendation is that the first reason you tell people you are a Christian and that you have a hope of a resurrection for eternal life, the first reason you give is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if Jesus has never been raised to life, then you will not be raised to life either. Your resurrection hangs upon Jesus' resurrection. And so when people ask you, why do you think you'll be raised to life and go to heaven? You say, because Jesus did. I know someone who came back to life the way I'm going to come back to life, and I know someone who has gone to heaven the way I'm going to go to heaven. I know that it is possible because Jesus did it. Because if Jesus didn't come back to life, then what hope do you have that you're going to come back to life if Jesus never came back to life? So that's the first thing I'd say. The next thing that someone might ask is then, well, why do you think Jesus came back to life? And that's where I'd point them to the scriptures. I haven't had some divine revelation in my head that Jesus came back to life. No, the reason I know Jesus came back to life and here's the reason for my hope is because of the scriptures. And that's where I point people to. The scriptures are powerful. They are the voice of God. And you point people to those. They are a historically reliable account that Jesus did come back to life and that many people saw him in his resurrection body. And so why are you a Christian? Why do you have the hope that you have? What is the reason? The scriptures are my reason. They are a reliable document that tell me that I'm not an idiot for believing that I'm going to be raised to life. No, they are a reason for the hope that I have. And then thirdly, what else might you share with them? There are many things you could share with them, but what's a third one that I would recommend? Tell them about how God has worked in your own heart, about how God has worked in your own life, about the joy that you have in being a Christian, about how you are not struggling with certain sins that you used to struggle with in the past, how it has made you a better person to be a Christian, and that you've seen the evidence of God's power in your own heart. And that is a reason that you know that God exists and that he does raise people from the dead. Talk about your own life and the power of God that he has already accomplished in you. Because we have resurrection benefits as Christians right now. Yes, we're looking forward to many benefits of being a Christian. But we have evidence of God's power here in our own lives right now. Particularly the evidence of sanctification, of us gradually becoming more and more holy, that God makes us better people. Sometimes you hear particular testimonies of people and they were, in the past, terrible criminals, did horrible things, and people thought there is no way they could ever change. But then, by the power of God, they have turned around and now are different people altogether. And it is an, a miracle, an evidence of the hope that we have. 
And it's a reason that you can share to those who ask you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Now, it may sound scary to think that people can ask you questions about the hope that you have. And if you talk about evangelism, it's all too often that Christians aren't too excited about the thought of sharing reasons for the hope that they have. Is there any advice here in the passage for you if you're scared by sharing reasons for the hope that you have? Any help for you? Well, my third main point this morning is give a reason by being prepared. Peter tells you, be prepared. Verse 15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Giving answers requires a bit of preparation. Anyone who sat any exam in their life knows that. When you're coming up for an exam as a child, or you may be coming up for exams even now, one member of our congregation is sitting there HSC at the moment. As you're coming up for exams, preparation is required for the questions that come. If you want to do well in your exams, you must study. Preparation is required. So how do you prepare for that moment when people ask you why you're a Christian? Well, remember what our reasons are? Our reasons are Jesus raised from the dead and the scriptures. What is the best way you can study for the exam when people ask you why you're a Christian? Study your textbook. What's your textbook? Your textbook is the scripture, is the Bible. You need to study the Bible. He says, be prepared. How? Study the word. How do you study the word? Well, come to church and hear the preaching of God's word. How else do you study the word? In your own time, study, your, study the word by reading the Bible again and again, searching the scriptures, asking questions yourself so you can even preempt the questions that people will ask you. Be inquisitive of the word. Study it. Underline it. Write in the margins like you would with other textbooks. Study the scriptures so that you're prepared when someone asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Also take advantage of Bible studies. Come along to a Bible study and study God's word with other people. Read books about the Bible. I've benefited so much, and I think I've told you again and again, from reading books that help me to understand God's word better. And I encourage you to do that as well. If you're studying any particular text for an exam at school, you don't just study the text, although that is an important thing to do. You also read books about it. If you're studying Shakespeare for an exam, you don't just read the play, you read books about the play, other insights that other people have had into that play. And so it is with God's word. If you want to know it, I encourage you to read other books about it. Learn from other people and the insights they have into God's word. Also discuss God's word. Talking to other people about your questions in God's word, about the answers that you're seeking, speak to them. It's all part of your preparation. As you bounce ideas off one another, you're getting prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And also, study your life. 
I encouraged you before, one of the reasons you can give for being a Christian is your life and the evidence of God's power in it. Often we miss the blessings that God has showered upon us. We pray about something earnestly and then when it happens, do you remember to thank God? Or is the first thing to delight in the fact that what you desired has been accomplished? And do you even remember later on? You may have thanked God immediately afterwards, but in a year's time, it may have been a big thing for you at the time, but in a year's time you don't count it as the evidence of God's power in your life, the power of prayer, the way he has changed you and helped you. Study your own life so that you have the reasons all there ready to give when someone asks you for the hope that you have. Now, you may think that's hard work. Well, yes, it is. There's no easy way to prepare for pretty much any test. You've got to do some hard work. But if you study hard enough, the answers just start to flow. The reasons just flow out of you because you've studied. And so exams don't become scary, but because you've prepared, they become easy and they become a delight. One of the things that I said about exams at uni is that I kind of look forward to them as an opportunity to share all that I'd learnt over the semester. My friends were always appalled at the, those words that came out of my mouth, but they did become a delight in some ways and it would be a good challenge for me. I think exams are so important at school is because they do make you study. And, so, and then the benefit is that you learn things because of those exams. And God puts people in your life to ask you questions, which may unnerve you a bit, so makes you study harder, which then benefits you, and so that when people ask you questions, you've got the answers, but you've also learned yourself. You're also a stronger Christian. Your hope is that much firmer because the reasons have accumulated as you've studied, prepared again and again, done that hard work, so that you're ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. But for some of us, some people, it's really hard for them to give an answer for the hope that they have. And why might that be? Well, some people simply don't have the hope. They think they do, as they call themselves a Christian, but when someone asks them for reasons for the hope that they have, they really struggle. And why is that? Because they've never hoped at all. They don't have the hope of the resurrection. And so they can't give a reason for the hope that they have. Is that you? Is the reason you struggle to give reasons to people when they ask for the hope that you have, could it be it's because you don't have the hope and you don't have any reasons why you are professing to be a Christian? If that is you, you're in a hopeless situation. You're in great danger. You do not know what is going to happen to you when you die. I encourage you, if you struggle to give a reason for the hope that you have, search your heart and see whether you really do have that hope. Do you really believe in Jesus' resurrection have you really repented of your sins and believed that Jesus died for you? Have you really believed that the scriptures are a historical account 
of Jesus' death, burial and resurrection and so that you can give those reasons out to those people that ask you why you're a Christian? I encourage you, if you struggle to give a reason for the hope that you have, search your heart now and ask yourself, do you really believe? Do you really have that hope in the resurrection? And if you find that you don't, repent now. Repent of your sins and begin to believe that Jesus did die for you, that he did come back to life, and it is true because the scriptures tell you so. And then start to watch God's power in your heart so that you're ready for when people ask you for a reason for the hope that you have. Okay, so we've seen you have a hope, you know you must give a reason, and you must be prepared if you're going to give those reasons. What else does Peter tell us here? Well, my fourth main point is give a reason by being prepared always. Did you notice that word at the beginning of the sentence, the very first word of the sentence we're looking at in 1 Peter 3.15? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason or a reason for the hope that you have. Every day is exam day. You don't know when someone is going to ask you, why are you a Christian? Why do you hope that you will come back to life after death? And so that means every day requires preparation. You should be always preparing to give a reason for the hope that you have. Why do you need to be reminded of this fact by Peter here, that it's always? Why does he need to put that word in there? Well, we all recognise that study before exams and then after the exam is over, what starts to happen to that information? It starts to seep away. It starts to disappear. And so it's a case of use it or lose it. Some of our older members may be able to attest to that even more. That if you don't prepare always for a question, then when the question comes, all those reasons that you had before have suddenly dried up and you're flabbergasted and don't really know what to say. Peter tells you, always be ready because use it or lose it. Be prepared or it will disappear. And also, we should be always preparing because we improve in our reasons. Don't we? The reasons I have today for being a Christian are more than the reasons I had even just two years ago or five years ago. I know more about the scriptures and how reliable they are. I know more about New Testament and Old Testament manuscripts. I know more about uh, logic and reasons for God than I did in the past. And so I'm more able to give reasons for the hope that I have. And so I'm able to examine those reasons again and again. As you grow as a Christian, you get more and more reasons. And so you should be always preparing those reasons to answer the questions of people when they ask you for the hope that you have. So how can you be prepared always? Well, you need to do those things that I suggested before. Always. You need to study by attending church. Always. You need to study the Bible by reading the Bible. Always. 
Why do some of our older members here still read the scriptures? Surely they've read it cover to cover. They should put it up on the shelf and leave it now. No, they recognise that they still need to learn. They always need to be studying the word because they will either use it or lose it. They need to study that word. And you need to study the Bible by discussing it with other Christians always. Talk to new Christians, older Christians, middle-aged Christians, ones who have been Christians for 10 years, 20 years, maybe just one month. Talk to them all. Discuss the Bible with them. And as you do that, you are always preparing yourself to give reasons for the hope that you have. So, we've seen that you have the hope. We've seen you know reasons for the hope. You've seen that you need to prepare and that you need to prepare always. Lastly, who do you give a reason to for the hope that you have? Who do you give a reason to? Are there some people that you don't need to give a reason to for the hope that you have? Well, my fifth main point this morning answers that question. Give a reason to everyone who asks. What does he say in verse 15? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. This means that in formal situations, particularly legal situations, when you're asked about being a Christian, you need to give a reason for the hope that you have. And that's what a lot of people would look at this passage, if you knew the original, and say, oh, this is talking about legal context. Because the word in, that's translated uh, by the word answer in verse 15 is actually the word in uh, Greek that we get the word apologetics from. Apology. It's basically give an apology for the hope. Uh, give an apology to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And the word apology, we think, oh, an apology is when I say sorry for something that I regret what I've done. But the word apology is actually to make a defence in a legal situation. And that's what was happening in the early church. Peter knew it himself. He had been hauled before the courts. And he had had to give an apology for the hope that he had in Jesus' resurrection. But the word apology doesn't always mean legal situations. Generally does but it can mean more informal situations as well. So if you're hauled up before a court, you definitely have to give a reason for the hope that you have. But I think Peter wants you to know that in every situation you should give a reason for the hope that you have because he puts that word in there, everyone. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. Everyone. Give an apology to everyone. People will ask you again and again in many informal situations, not in courts. It's very unlikely you're going to get hauled up before a court for being a Christian. Maybe in the future, we don't know. But at this point in time, you're very, it's very unlikely if you stay in Australia, I should say. Stay in Australia, practice Christianity, not very likely you're going to get hauled before the court. But you all know if you've been a Christian for any length of time that people do ask you for reasons why you're a Christian. And you're meant to give them an answer. You're not meant to say, some people I give an answer to, others I don't. You're meant to give an answer to everyone. It doesn't matter what they have done to you in the past. 
whether they've been good to you and you're worried you're going to offend them, whether they've been bad to you in the past and you don't want to share the gospel with them because you really don't want that person in heaven with you. No, you give them an answer. It doesn't matter what they've done to you. If they ask you why you're a Christian, you tell them why you are a Christian. It doesn't matter whether they're friends, family or total strangers. Always give an answer. If you sit down next to someone on a train and they work out that you're a Christian, maybe because you're reading the Bible, and they say, why are you a Christian? Don't fob them off. No, you give a reason for the hope that you have. doesn't matter how powerful they are, how weak they may be. Someone that you think, no, they're too sick, too unwell. I'm not going to share the gospel with them. I won't upset them by talking about hell. If they ask you why you're a Christian, you tell them why you are a Christian. The resurrection hope that you have. It doesn't matter what religion they are, if they're atheists, agnostics, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, how offended they will be at what you tell them about Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter. If they ask you why you're a Christian, you tell them. And it doesn't matter how many people are there. You know that situation where you're at work and someone asks you why you're a Christian and you just see all these other ears around the, the lunch table prick up and they're all listening and you feel this pressure that comes and is applied quite hard against you and you want to chicken out and not give a reason for the hope that you have. What does Peter say? Give them an answer. Give them an apology for why you are a Christian. doesn't matter who is listening, how many there are. It could be 10,000 people listening in. You give an answer. And it doesn't matter how much they know, whether they're clever or wise by this world's standards. We can be intimidated by titles after people's names, by evidence that we've seen that someone is really clever. And so we think, oh, I'm never going to convince them why do I bother? doesn't matter. You tell them why you are a Christian. It doesn't matter whether they think you're stupid. You tell them. Because Peter tells you, tell them the reasons that you have for the hope that is in you. So you must give a reason to everyone who asks. So do you know the hope of Christianity? Do you? Do you believe that you'll be resurrected to eternal paradise? Do you have that hope? And if you do, do you know reasons for the hope that you have? If someone asked you right now, what are the reasons for the hope that you have? Would you be able to give some? Or would you be intimidated and back into the corner and try and talk about something else? Are you prepared then to give an answer, give an apology? And are you always preparing? You might be prepared right now, but do you plan on always preparing to give an answer for the hope that you have? Do you make sure you're studying the Bible week by week, day by day, understanding it better and better, so that when someone asks you, why are Christians always against abortion? You know why. Because you've asked that question yourself. And you've looked it up in the scriptures. And so you're there ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, the reasons you're a Christian and what, why you believe what you believe. You're ready and you're prepared because you're always preparing your own heart.
And are you prepared to give a reason to everyone who asks? Or do you have just certain situations that you will respond in and then there's a whole bunch of blacklisted situations where I won't talk about it around that person or those individuals? I don't answer them when they ask me about why I'm a Christian. Is that you? Or are you always prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have? Let's speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the hope that we have, the hope of the resurrection, the hope that we will be with you for eternity in heaven. Lord, we thank you that that hope is not based upon no foundation, but there is a strong and healthy foundation. There are good, solid reasons behind our hope. And we thank you that you give us opportunities to share those reasons with people who ask us questions. Lord, we pray that we may do what Peter says here and prepare ourselves always to give answers to everyone who asks us for the reasons, for the hope that we have in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.